most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom, to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents... The Jim Ross Report with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross and now the man himself, good old JR. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, Slobberknocker Audio is on the air. Thank you very much for joining us here on the mighty Westwood One. Uh, I am Jim Ross. Hope you're having a, a good week after Thanksgiving for those that celebrate. We've got a busy show, packed show, a great guest since 1983. Dave Meltzer has been at the forefront of pro wrestling journalism. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's discussed and cussed by many. Uh, and we'll talk to Dave today and, and certainly touch on the loss of his dear friend and a, a mentor, quite frankly, uh, Larry Matizak out of St. Louis passed away earlier in the week. So we'll talk to Dave about that and much more, uh, here a little bit later in the program. But right now, folks, you know what time it is, right? You need it. You want it. You got to have it. Here's what's on my mind. It seems like every week we come on here and talk about Becky Lynch. She keeps getting hotter and hotter in my estimation. I thought that she had an outstanding in-ring outing verbally with Charlotte. I thought Charlotte may have gotten the better of that situation, just from my own ear. But uh, both of them were scoring big points, no doubt. And then the addition of Asuka to their match, I don't know. I, I like this. It's got a lot of marquee value. It's got a lot of sizzle. And I got a feeling that with Dave Finley at the steering wheel, that they will probably have one hell of a uh, uh, SmackDown championship match coming up at TLC. Uh, and it's a TLC match. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. The one thing about this scenario, whether you agree with the three-way or not, is the fact that Oscar uh, is a major star that somehow got lost along the way after WrestleMania. Uh, just one of those things that can be explained in a lot of different ways. I'm sure there's a lot of right answers, but the uh, bottom line is, is that Oscar should be in the mix of all the top women competing currently in WWE. She's big money. I saw on Twitter where Conor McGregor responded to Becky Lynch. That was big fellow Irish folk uh, and uh, McGregor threatening that uh, he would be happy to be in her corner if necessary. He didn't say, though, for a rather large payday. That's there, too. I certainly want to address the trademark issues filed by the Khan family, and I'll do that with Dave Meltzer a little bit later in the program, but uh, I've got some interesting thoughts on that. I hope that you will find edifying, and we'll get uh, Dave's opinion on this situation as well. But if this thing happens, it's going to be one or two things, in my opinion. It's either going to never happen because a television deal could not be acquired or the television deal is going to be finalized and it's going to be big feast or famine. I want to send my condolences to, uh, Adam Copeland and his family. Uh, Adam's mom, uh, Judy passed away earlier this week. A very nice lady. We, we bonded years and years ago when I first signed Adam and, and Jay Resso. Uh, Edge and Christian to their, their WWE contracts. I think it was around two hundred and ten or two hundred fifty dollars a week uh, back in the day to independent wrestlers from Ontario that just had a great passion, 
and a great zest for life and 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 you just died. you couldn't wait to get them in your training program. Dory Funk Jr. helped them a lot, and Tom Pritchard, uh, great students. But uh, Miss Judy was a big; she was a fellow Eagles fan, and of course we're both fans of uh, Adam. And uh, so she did made a lot of sacrifices uh, to get him uh, raised, and to get him in a wrestling school, and to let him try to live his dream of what she has done, and uh, over exceeded many times over. So Adam, I love you, buddy, and I. Uh, I'm, it's a gift to know you. It was an even bigger gift to know your mother. Uh, she's in a better place, and uh, maybe she's uh, ran into Jan up there in heaven, and they're listening. Maybe they maybe they hook up with Glenn Fry, have a little do a little singing. Who knows? But seriously, I, I uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. You know, after a well received Survivor Series, which I thought was a hell of an event. You know, Charlotte and Rousey and a singer for Kane stole the show in the eyes of many. Uh, Brock Lesnar, Daniel Bryan, hell of a match, different story. They Daniel Bryan showed you that having great crowd psychology and not letting me roll my eyes at your, at your material uh, will still work, even though he looked like a small child compared to Brock Lesnar. That's two pros uh, making it work. Uh, but I think that the WWE is a situation where I'm watching raw Monday night, for example, and I'm, I'm completely brought away from the matches at times because I'm assuming that there's going to be a run in or interference. Maybe that indicates that there's too much interference and too many run ins. That's not good. And I also think that, uh, the company that has has been made famous for building uh, fan favorites, the quote-unquote babyface. Over the years, some of the biggest stars on the babyface side of the roster have been products of WWE. It seems like uh, that's not the focus right now. And maybe it is. Okay, folks, I'm going by what I see on television. That's my extent of my interaction uh, with, with this company. I watch the product religiously, and those are my observations, and they're not tainted. They're not influenced. They're just what I see and what I feel. The fan favorite machine, the baby face machine, needs to get back into business. There needs to be less run-ins and less predictability. And please don't take me out of the moment. Let's wrestle and let the entertainment be a uh, garnish where the wrestling is always the entree. I don't want to eat no damn garnish. I want a steak. Congratulations to the Young Bucks. Uh, their merch store at ProWrestlingTees.com was number one during Black Friday. Big sale there. Uh, new elite designs, top-selling shirts. Uh, well, these kids got a hell of an audience. They got a great following. Great following. They're great marketers and really... Damn good entrepreneurs, uh, and I, and I, and a good good kids. I like them a lot. They have the, some of the same traits that all these the great teams I've been fortunate enough to work with have. The common denominator, folks, is real simple. What did the Horsemen, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, the Rockers, among others, have in common? What what made them great? Let me tell you what made them great: chemistry. One member complimented the other. And they were 
unselfish, and they had chemistry. You can't manufacture chemistry. It's got to either be there and evolve naturally and organically, or it ain't going to work. These two guys are brothers. So, hell yeah, they got chemistry, and they're, they're, they're the best tag team in the world, in my opinion. And by the way, uh, uh, my good friend Ryan Barkin owns Pro Wrestling Tees. He's got a great staff. Uh, enjoyed seeing him on the cruise, the Jericho cruise, uh, Slobberknocker at sea. And uh, they got some great deals right now on uh, pro, at pro Wrestling Tees, including uh, many designs of good old JR. Uh, that's at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jim Ross. Check it out. It don't cost nothing to look, folks. It costs a, not a damn thing to look. I, I saw this. General Motors is announcing they're closing several plants in Ohio, Michigan, Maryland, and Ontario in Canada, of course. Approximately 14,000 jobs are going to be lost. Here's my question. We're right here in the, at the beginning of December. Next 30 days, a lot of holidays are going to be celebrated. Are you telling me that the, the difference maker in this whole ordeal was to do it before Christmas and lay these people off at the holidays? What kind of board of directors do you people have? Is it all about the, the damn money? Is there no human emotion? No, some of these guys, I bet you've been laid off. I've, I've been there a while and are dedicated to the company. It's just sad that this is happening, first of all, and it's even less its even less honorable, in my view, to do it before the holidays. Come on, General Motors. You do better than that. Uh, well, what a fiasco the Chuck Liddell-Tito Ortiz uh, fight was. My God. I don't know how in the world that got sanctioned. There's some. There's got to be somebody happy... There's got to be some money changing hands somehow or another. I don't know what it is. Because logically, no athletic commission is going to sanction two men as great as they were in their day at this stage of life, getting in the ring and scrambling the other's brains. Makes no sense. Obviously, paydays are needed. I get that. And I'm not belittling anybody for going out and trying to do what they once did great for another payday. But this is MMA. I am not for brains being scrambled at any age, especially north of 40. Not good. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Uh, what a mess in San Diego. Or that's where producer Ted lives. He should handle this himself, but he's not doing it. Uh, the Tijuana border, San Diego. What a sad situation. Are you, here's another deal. You're telling me. The only way to disperse this crowd and to manage this uh, this group of people is to use tear gas. No matter that you're tear gassing mothers and small children. What the hell are you thinking, for God's sakes? Good Lord. Tear gassing babies and moms. Boy, yeah, that's why anybody travels out of the country says, don't be surprised. They say, what do you think of your president? I get that all the time when I'm gone. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Well, Becker Mayfield didn't know what to say after the, the Cleveland victory at uh, Cincinnati last weekend. Uh, the handshake from his former coach, Hugh Jackson, was somewhat uh, uh, not much. It was obligatory. Not, it didn't seem real. And then Becker made some comments after that. 
hey, look, after thinking about it, letting it soak in, I don't know what he's thinking, but he may have regretted what he said about Hugh Jackson in hindsight. I say let it go. Move on. The Browns have too much good going for them to to uh, revert back to a coach that had a lousy winning record there and got fired. And he got fired. He walked away with a lot of money. As Jerry Lauder would say, kids, one can't grieve forever. Well, there's a little drama in the, uh, in the royal family. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. They're moving out of the palace, folks. Big news here. Uh, they're moving into Frogmore Cottage. So for all you folks in the Frogmore Estate area, you got new neighbors coming. It's about 30 miles from London. Uh, the speculation of the dirt is that there's tension. Yes, tension. And guess who the tension is between? Perhaps it's between the wise, Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton. That's Prince William's wife, as you know. All I can say about that matter is this. I have no dog in the hunt. I have no knowledge of what's real, what isn't. All I can tell you is that based on what I've read, it is inevitable that a movie will be written and made about this relationship. Moving on here, uh, we got word from uh, Kenny McIntosh, the uh, Vince McMahon of Europe. Uh, of course, he's the owner of Inside the Ropes. Uh, they're going to be selling our Slavonarch book autographed. I signed them. They got them. Beginning on Saturday, December 1st, fans in the UK will be able to purchase signed books by moi. They're available at the website for Inside the Ropes, insidetheropes.co.uk. Raphael and I, uh, Raphael Murphy, my, another one of my erstwhile producers, and I were at, uh, in North Carolina this past weekend at uh, Russellcade. And uh, we drove by a lot of Ingalls markets down there in North Carolina. Ingalls has two, over 200 stores in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Virginia. And uh, they're great stores, clean, family-owned. But most importantly for me and Headlock on Hunger is that uh, Ingalls stocks JR's condiments. Two barbecue sauces, or mustard, and our ketchup. If you're at an Ingalls store in, in these areas and you're walking by the aisle where the JR stuff is located, take a picture and, and uh, tweet it to me, will you? At JRSBBQ. And uh, part of the proceeds of everything we sell in Ingalls goes to Headlock on Hunger. Uh, and, of course, www.shop.com is a great source for buying JRs online. That's pretty hassle-free. Great uh, stocking stuffers. Good holiday gifts, very personal, and uh, same for if you go about Ingles. Our sauces and stuff make good stocking stuffers. Why not, right? We appreciate your support on that, by the way. Our last uh, uh, show of the year for the King and I, my last stage show of the year, uh, is going to be on uh, Saturday, two weeks of Saturday, December the eighth, December eight. That's the day before the Browns play the. Uh, Carolina Panthers, the King and I will be going to that ball game and we'll be uh, on a part of the uh, Browns Radio Network pregame show. But our show's going to be at, at Hilarities. Hilarities.com has tickets. Saturday, December the 8th, it's a matinee. Uh, 
or as Raphael says, it's an afternoon matinee show. Different than a night matinee show, kids. It's a 2 o'clock for the meet and greet with the King and I photos. We'll sign your swag, take pictures, uh, all the meet and greet stuff you do. And unlike some of my peers, we'll actually look you in the eye and talk to you like you're a real live human being because we love you. We're old enough to appreciate what got us here, and that's you guys. Real simple. So 2 o'clock is the meet and greet. 4 o'clock is the show. Uh, tickets are on sale now at, at hilarities.com. Uh, VIP's $85, $35 for the show only. Uh, and tickets, again, on sale at hilarities.com. Love to see you there. As a matter of fact, I'm going into Cleveland on the Thursday night, and I'm going to be appearing in the studio on uh, Cleveland Sports Radio 92.3 FM, The Fan. It's the big daddy there, folks. And I'll be on the Ken Carmen show at 9 o'clock Eastern time on Friday, December the 7th, uh, the day before our show at Hilarities. That's the follow me on Twitter at 923thefan. And the Ken Carmen show on Twitter. That's the K-E-N-C-R-M-A-N, Ken Carmen show. We look forward to doing the show. It's a, it's a big time there. And it's a, we're honored to be a guest. We'll, we'll have a lot of fun that, that morning, I promise you. You know I'm going to be at WrestleMania doing something uh, that week. Uh, not sure what, but with a lot of plans, or had a good strategy session with Conrad Thompson over the weekend uh, in Winston Salem uh, while we're sitting at the bar watching the Alabama Roll Tide game against Auburn. Well, that was an ass whooping. No wonder they wanted Bob Stoops to be their coach at Auburn. That ain't going to happen. Please. Yeah, right. I'm not knocking Auburn, but you know, come on. He turned down Ohio State. He's turned down Florida. Uh, I think he had an offer to go to Notre Dame at one time. Are you kidding me? He's happy doing what he's doing. Folks just understand that. I can relate to that to some degree. But uh, I saw John uh, Hozerowski, two-man power trip podcast guy, good friend. Uh, he was there with my old friend King Kong Bundy. You're stealing, Bundy. You're stealing from the man. That's what Arnie Ladd used to say. You're stealing from the man, Bundy. You're stealing from the man. I, I did that line. He didn't like it, Chris. I hate Ernie Ladd. I wouldn't piss on his grave. I, I, okay, easy, easy. Uh, but I was a guy that suggested Bill Watts that we give Bundy the five count. Get him over. Three's not enough. He stopped the referee's hand. Count two more. So he, kept, he, he hit him so hard, stuck him so bad that – they couldn't get up even on a five count, much less a three count. It seemed logical at the time. So it was good seeing Chris, Chris Bundy. Uh, it was good seeing everybody at WrestleCade. Uh, it was a fun event. Uh, I had a lot of fun there. The fans are great. great they had great stories. Uh, I got to watch the OU game against West Virginia, which was a stem winder in my hotel room. Uh and it was wonderful seeing Bob Cottle. I'll tell you, uh, I talked to Bob. He's 88. He gave me a big hug. His voice still booms. And I started crying. And I'm thinking, God almighty, this is so embarrassing. And I, he didn't say nothing. It's just, we're, it's just seeing an old friend, uh, and he was so happy to see me. I took him some mustard and some jerky. And uh, so he'll be, he'll be getting a care package, another care package soon. I love Bob Cottle. What a great partner. I never had a better, more cooperative broadcast partner as far as just 
the low maintenance, easy come, easy go, brought his A game every single time, never was in a bad mood, always on time, total professional. It was just an honor to be able to work with him uh, for those years that we did. And he, was, he got tears in his eyes talking about he and I traveling. And uh, we just had a great time, great chemistry there. Uh, Bill Murdoch, the, the head honcho at Headlock on Hunger, always good to see Bill. The work he does for hungry children is unbelievable. Uh, mean Gene, always good to see him. Mean Gene, he's had a birthday coming up. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, uh, the King, of course, Conrad Thompson, Bruce Pritchard, Tom Pritchard, Teddy Long. Just a fun weekend, a fun day for me there. So I appreciate the folks at Russell Cage for inviting me, and I certainly appreciate their hospitality and uh, the opportunity to, to do some work. I can tell you that I probably pushed a little bit heavy this weekend. I probably wasn't ready to travel because, man, my head was splitting. By the time I got to Charlotte and deplaned, I really needed that. I had that Excedrin headache thing, you know, those concussion. And then coming back, same deal. And uh, I didn't want to medicate on the airplane and, and drink. So I was damned if I did and damned if I didn't, but I endured the headache. Uh, no fun at all. So, uh, But I enjoyed the whole weekend. It was a lot of fun. And I appreciate Raphael being there. We sold a lot of sauce and, and – uh, some Slobberknocker books, beef jerky, all this stuff. Just like we're going to have in Cleveland at the Hilarities. All that stuff will be there. Uh, moving on to some football news. This Saturday, I'll be, if you see a black hat on the Oklahoma University sideline during the Big 12 title game, that might be me. I'll be there a Saturday morning to support my Sooners, who uh, got out with the skin of their teeth uh, from Morgantown, 59-56 win for the Sooners, uh, to, get into, to earn the right to play in the Big 12 title game. Kyler Murray, in my view, yes, I'm biased. You know what I'm going to say. He's the best football player in America. He's not either. God dang, JR. What the hell can you say that? Well, I watch him play every game he's been there. He never lost on Friday nights. Coach Switcher pointed out on a tweet this week. Uh, he's a hell of a player. And the thing that takes away from him is Becker Mayfield. How can they have two quarterbacks that good? I don't know how, but we're doing it. And, uh, even though Kyler's probably going to have a long, productive MLB career because he covers some ground. He covers the ground he walks on in the outfield. But it's a big showdown this week, baby. OU 11-1, now ranked number five in the CF, uh, the college football playoff poll. Texas, uh, AT&T Stadium, not the Cotton Bowl, the AT&T Stadium. Uh, I think it starts at 11 a.m. Central time. I think that's the ESPN-ABC game. So I'm excited about that. For the Oklahoma team, uh, they have not played good defense. They do not have a good defense. I'm not going to try to make you think they do. Or they're Well, they've had some rough outings. But, you know, come on, BS. They're not very good. Uh, but you always hope that because they have so many great athletes over there, they might gel. They might, the light may come on. It needs to Saturday morning. Uh Great day for football. Good weekend as well. Uh, it was good to see Roman Reigns on the sideline there at the Georgia Tech-Georgia game. I could say, get well, big dog. But that would be kind of stupid. Or I could say, did you see that, big dog? I don't think so. But I'm happy he's feeling better, obviously. Good kid. Good, good kid. Good, good family. They're uh, pro wrestling lifers. Uh, Ohio State upset Michigan, you know, 10 beat number four. 
Then all of a sudden, everybody falls in love with Ohio State again. They want their quarterback to get the, win the Heisman after one great game. He said, "Other great, great, great games. I get it. I get it. Don't get, don't go crazy here, now, Buckeye fans." But look, what have you done for me lately? Ain't enough. He's not in the league of Tua or Kyler Murray, in my opinion. So Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame remain undefeated uh, unless uh, something drastic happens, like Georgia upsets Alabama this Saturday in the SEC title game. Uh, it looks like uh, it'll be those four teams at plus one. That's the big question right now. Who's the plus one? You know, for me, obviously, I'm pulling for my centers. I'd love to go to another uh, college football playoff game with better results than flying all the way out to the Pasadena and going to the Rose Bowl, which is wonderful. Day game in the Rose Bowl, awesome. Outcome, awful. I always like to take care of my pals in the wrestling business uh, with us uh, around the wrestling horn segment, quick, short and sweet. Uh, my old buddy Jim Cornette, crazy Jimmy Cornette, has launched his own YouTube channel. In uh, official Jim Cornette announcement video released Friday, Cornette says it's the, quote, official place to come for Jim Cornette audio on YouTube and that anything else is bootleg and you get busted by the cops. <laughs> as entertaining as he is, whether you agree with his politics or not, you know, come on, get over it. He's funny. He's uh, entertaining. And so I damn sure going to check out the official Jim Cornette uh, YouTube page, without, without a doubt. Uh, I've been texting Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, since he was hospitalized over Thanksgiving. From what I understand, it was some sort of an AFib-type thing. I'm not sure exactly that's right. That's what I was told. Not by him, by the way. But he's feeling much better. He appreciates everybody's well wishes. He says he's, uh, you know, essentially back to normal. But we know how that tough guy stuff is. He probably needs a few more days to chill. But uh, Jimmy Duggan is a tough dude, man. I remember one time he got thrown headfirst to the post in uh, Houston. There was a bolt sticking out of the post about an inch. A big old ass bolt holding the ring together, essentially. And uh, he didn't see it. Of course, Hack without his glasses, a little dangerous, kind of like Stan Hansen. And Hack uh, he's hit his head, and it made a perfect bolt impression in his skull and i know it had to kill him but he was pissed off he was more pissed off than drake maverick he was really pissed off and so uh but he was a, what a character tough tough dude uh, there's a, there's some stuff on tv i'll probably check it out on the wwe network out of houston houston wrestling or it might be under mid-south a match that uh hack had with buzz sawyer Epic, epic. Check it out. For you folks in Rochester, New York, you got a pretty cool thing coming your way. The live version of the show you hear on Westwood One. 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson is coming to Comedy at the Carlson on December 15. Uh, tickets are available at, uh, at easyelive.com. Easyelive.com. For ticket info. We have a fun show. Check them out. They do a good job. Uh, I mentioned uh, I'm going to talk to, to Dave Meltzer a little bit more about the, the Japan thing coming up in the next week or so. Uh, 
this Friday night on Access TV, Josh Barnett and I will be calling the Tomohiro Ishii versus Minoru Suzuki RPW British heavyweight title match. That's a mouthful. They beat the hell out of each other, as you can imagine. It reminded me of Dick Murdoch fighting Carl Cox. They would potato each other just because they could and just to see if the other guy was going to sell it or how he was going to sell it. Good stuff on uh, Friday night, 8, 7 Central on Access TV. One of the last shows remaining uh, for Josh and I as we both finish up at the end of December. And, uh, of course, congratulations to Kevin Kelly and Don Callis. They're going to be doing – they're getting their audio from New Japan World utilized on Access TV on Friday nights uh, going forward. And so they'll do a good job, no doubt about it. Both conscientious guys, smart guys, and they know the brand uh, very, very well. And that's product knowledge is a key to, to what you're doing. And more often than not, they remember that they're on television and not radio. On the WWE side of things, uh, pay-per-view-wise, TLC coming up in San Jose three weeks and Sunday. That will be December the 16th. Hell of a card coming together, and I like the addition of uh, Becky, Charlotte, and Asuka. For the uh, with the TLC tables, ladders, and chairs rules for the SmackDown Women's title on the same card that Ronda Rousey will defend her title against Nia Jack. Nia's got to quit smiling so much. I don't want to feel heel. I want to feel villain. I want to feel. I want to feel mean, uh, despicable to some degree, arrogance, conceit. All these smiles and try to be cute with a little witty repartee lines. I don't think fits the moment. Is she doing them badly? No. But she's being provided this content that seems to be counterproductive as to what a villainous should be. I don't need villains to entertain me. Please don't. Please don't make me laugh. Because if I laugh at your humor and I enjoy your shtick, tell me again why I'm supposed to boo you when you're in character, bill to bill. But look, TLC's a hell of a card, I can tell you that. They're going to have a lot of momentum going into the Royal Rumble. Good booking on that card, a good structure from top to bottom, and I'm sure the crowd in San Jose will uh, more than carry their load. John Cena, good thing that he is. Uh, WWE is, has a dearth right now. They don't have The baby-faced pool is so, somewhat shallow with uh, the injuries to Reigns and uh, Strowman. Uh, Strowman's elbow was mangled. They got it all cleaned up, successful surgery, but he may not be back in time for uh, TLC. And to put him in the ring just to get his win so he can continue the storyline, even though the match is probably going to be subpar and he could outside chance of risking injury, makes no sense. No sense. I don't think it's necessary that Baron Corbett must wrestle Braun Strowman at this next pay-per-view. I don't understand. I wouldn't risk nothing with the big boy. And look, you got some money invested in, in, in Corbin too. The last thing you want is him to get involved in a match that's not going to live up to the hype and the expectations of both athletes. Uh, I'm not wild about the uh, – I mean, John Cena's coming back. That's my point. With John Cena's coming back, he's going to shore up some babyface ills, at least for the short term. I know John will be in the garden on December 26th. And he'll be on Raw on January 7th, which is a big deal. But they need over baby faces. And that's what I mentioned earlier, that baby face factory needs to get back in production. A PP angle. 
Really? It seems like Drake Maverick has more attention drawn to him than his tag team. I don't think that's the way you go. I like Drake Maverick, too, by the way. I think he's got a huge upside. Very easy to dislike. He's like a little banty rooster. Very talented kid, by the way. Uh, but you want the money's going to be drawn by the two big monsters. They're about as far from the LOD as Fuzzy Cupid and Little Beaver. Just in a wrestling conversation, that's about it. Because they're not dominant. They don't manhandle people. They're not overwhelming. You, they're just not. And you only get a few opportunities, really, to make that lasting impression. I'm waiting because I like these two guys. Uh, some people have complained to me about the character development of Dean Ambrose. I have not seen enough of his new character development to say it's going to be good or bad. He's a talented guy. He's getting an opportunity to stand on his own. But the brooding, uh, mysterious, less talkative Dean Ambrose had more redeeming TV qualities to me than him just cutting heel promos like he's any other villain. And uh, I watched SmackDown on Tuesday night. I, the thing that stood out to me was, uh, you know, the women. The women stole the show on, on SmackDown, in my view. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. We sat. We act like it's a. It's, a, it's the the men are failing. The men aren't failing. It's just that the women on Tuesday night were bigger stars. Becky had a good night. Charlotte's night on the mic was amazing. Maybe the best night on the mic that she's had in a long time, and it reminded me a little bit of the first promo that Becky did uh, when she, uh, you know, uh, became a quote unquote bad girl, which is. That's not going to work. She's a, she's a baby face. If anything, she's a character baby face, much alike one would describe Austin. Non-traditional baby face. That is Becky Lynch. She is the man. And I thought that the ladies, Oscar and the Battle Royal, the Battle Royal last few minutes, the sequencing of that the Battle Royal was, was actually very good. And I'm not a Battle Royal fan more often than not, but Oscar got to shine. There's got to be somebody's got to shine in every presentation. Every segment's got to have a star. Everybody can't be the star. Who are you advancing in, a, in an individual segment? And, and that battle royal, all those women worked together to make sure that Oscar had the table set and Oscar delivered. Job well done by all involved. So, folks, uh, a busy week. A lot of things still on tap here this week. Uh, Dave Meltzer coming up a little bit later. A lot of good things to talk to him about that I'm curious as to his opinion. I'm anxious to hear what his opinion is on my opinion on some of these things as well. Uh, but for right now, that's what's on my mind. You know, folks, uh, at often, oftentimes here on the program, I've mentioned my Cherokee heritage, Native American Cherokee heritage from my ancestors that came over the Trail of Tears into Oklahoma and settled uh, in the northeastern part of the state for me. Then it was Indian Territory. Oklahoma did not become a state until 1907. I've always been fascinated by the, my, the stories that were told by my great-grandparents uh, over usually a holiday meal, talking about how they were raised and our ancestry and, and all these things. It was the first time I got a taste of racism because my great-grandfather married a, a full-blood Cherokee Indian, and that was like, oh, taboo. So... Uh, 
I want to know more about it. And the way to do that for me was to associate with 23andMe. Uh, they, they're a great sponsor in the show, number one, but uh, their DNA kits right now are, are part the best, and they're on sale. It helps you understand who you're, you're, who you're, you and your family, your story, who you are, where you came from, how did you get here? And uh, I just love it. I love the fact that you can get that information that heretofore you had no knowledge of. So if you're curious, as was I, and you want to find out more about your family, you want to educate your kids to your family uh, and let them understand their heritage, then I would suggest that you check out 23andMe. Uh, as I mentioned, it's, a, it's so slick on how they do it. It's so accurate. It just tells you all kinds of things, man, that you wouldn't have no other, no other way of knowing. So uh, I'm going to suggest that now through Christmas, that's December 25th where I live, you get 30% off any 23andMe kit. You get 30% off any 23andMe kit. That's a hell of a deal. Order your DNA kit at 23andMe.com slash JR. That's the number 23andMe.com slash JR. Again, that's 23andMe.com slash JR. You'll open the world to a new adventure that you and your entire family can enjoy. 23andMe.com slash JR. Well, it's time for Slobberknocker of the Week, kids, and uh, there's some dandy candidates uh, for this, including my boy Becker Mayfield, who had a great game uh, for the Brownies last week against Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, big division game, pretty good rivalry, the Battle of Ohio. Uh, and uh, the Browns have two straight wins. They're 4-6-1. and one. It's their first four-win season since 2014. Four years ago, they won four games. That's amazing. Baker had a great game, and I'll see Baker at, uh, with the King up in Cleveland in, a, in about 10 days. We're going to be doing our show there, as you know, and we're also going to go to the game. I'll be on the Browns pregame show. Uh, so Ken Carmen is showing us the way. So Baker is certainly always a candidate in my eyes. I know I'm biased for the slobber knocker of the week. Uh, he's dangerous now. He's dangerous. Uh, I shouldn't overlook Dwayne Haskins, quarterback for Ohio State. He had a wonderful game against Michigan. Uh, Big-time game. Wolverines had a number-one-ranked defense, uh, and that they, they kind of doo-dooed the bed. They soiled the sheets, if you will, did Michigan. But a good game for Haskins. Uh, they scored 62 against the top defense in the country. It's pretty damn amazing. Philip Rivers had a great game against us, the Cardinals, quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. Stop my pain, the Los Angeles Chargers. BS. They should be in San Diego in a new stadium. End of story. Case closed, Ernie. Uh, but he had a great game, started out with the most completed passes in a game uh, in NFL history. He's, he was unconscious. And uh, he's a he's a good. I saw an interview with him and Terry Bradshaw the other day. I, I thought it was really cool. Rivers seems like a good good dude, Southern boy, played at North Carolina State. He's a hell of a quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer. End of story. 
He's got to keep playing, though. He's got like 10 kids or something. God bless him. And Mrs. Uh, Rivers. Uh, Alexa Bliss making a nice transition from uh, her from the injured wrestler list, which she is currently on, apparently, to a on-screen authority figure on Raw. How many damn authority figures do you need? That's what I'm wondering. I'm not knocking Alexa Bliss' uh, uh, casting, her quote-unquote booking. Uh, she's got everything. She's got great facial expressions, amazing timing, and as a beautiful woman. Uh, so you want to keep her in a storyline. You want to keep her on television, right? But is she better off being the authority figure, which I think she'll end up being at some point in time, if she's not clear to go back into wrestling because of concussion issues, as I have heard? Don't know if it's true. I think this uh, young woman has got the – I can see her in, in WWE Films. I can see some uh, uh, some producer out there in Hollyweird that's paying attention, and uh, they, they grab her up for a, for something. I think she's got a lot of talent, uh, and that's what she's got to kind of invest in her future. You can't take Hurricane Ronas all your life, but she's very talented, and I'm, I think she's doing great. And she her entering stuff, her talking, very organic, very natural. But uh, this week's Sovereign Rock of the Week honor goes to my friend Bill Murdoch, who is the uh, with Evelyn Charities in Asheville, North Carolina. He is uh, the man that created Headlock on Hunger. You know, we find out that when kids are not in school in America, that 25% of them do not eat regularly. That's a damn shame. Childhood hunger around the world is a shame. Uh, and Bill is trying to do something about it and. In, in North America and in the United States, especially in his area. Uh, headlock on hunger is a great thing. Bill says, uh, when you're hungry, nothing else matters. I believe that. So uh, this week's Slobber of the Week, a great humanitarian, a, a fine man, uh, credit to the race, the human race, Bill Murdoch. Slobber knocker of the week. Apparently they have a pet raccoon that got into their mess. Son of a bitch! Hey, don't forget, folks, uh, a week from Saturday on uh, December the 8th, December the 8th, the King and I'll be in Cleveland at Hilarities. Tickets on sale now at hilarities.com. They're going fast, but we do have tickets available both in the VIP uh, section and the uh, general mission section, if you will. So check it out, hilarities.com. Love to see you in Cleveland. And if you're not there, you might be Petcoon Goofy. That's all I can say for you. Uh, Petcoon Goofy Award this week could go to many deserving idiots. Uh, and we'll start off by talking about the undisciplined players in the LSU-Texas A&M game. Yeah, I know they go seven uh, They go seven overtimes. It's the highest-scoring game in NCAA college football history. But the embarrassment of the ridiculous uh, fisticuffs and uh, boorish behavior uh, overshadows the great game, in my view. I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, I just don't know what it's going to take to settle this down from coaches to players. The responsible the administrations of these various entities have got to drop a set of spaldings and do the right thing and set these people down for a while. That's the only thing that's going to get uh, – Get their attention. Take their toys away from them. They can't go play anymore. Can't coach anymore. Not forever. But there's no penalty, then what's going to stop it? What's going to curtail it? Nothing. 
Nothing. It was just an ugly way to end a, a classic ball, ball game. That's all I'm saying. Perhaps a Petco Goofy candidate could easily be considered uh, the creative between uh, Drake Maverick and Bobby Roode. Two really talented dudes, folks. Really talented. Uh, I think they'd be better served with a non-urinary tracked storyline. It's just it, it, the, the, the fan base in WWE is getting older. I wonder how many of them think that's funny. An angle based in urine. Pee. Doesn't make sense to me. And I thought it made Bobby look bad. He took his eye off the biggest, baddest team in land, at least they were hoping, to look at uh, Drake Maverick urinate, wink, wink, uh, into, uh, into the stool where the beautiful robe, glorious robe was placed. I, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? What is, am I, who am I supposed to be angry at? Bobby for taking his eye off the ball? Bobby for apparently thinking that the robe is more important than winning the tag titles? That's the signal I got, the perception I got. I don't know if it's right or wrong. And right now, Drake Maverick is getting more heat and the star of the whole storyline. Is that what you wanted? Just asking. I sent a tweet out about uh, the wrestler Hector Perez had his license revoked because he's the guy that threw that concrete block from the ring uh, and hit his opponent in the head that uh, fractured the man's skull, could have killed him. Well, he's had his uh, Mexican Professional Boxing and Wrestling Commission. Uh, they have had his, his license has been revoked. That's a, not a, that guy, he may be a great guy. I don't know him, but his actions are not very stable. Not at all. But the winner of the Pet Coon Goofy Award goes to the production crew responsible for broadcasting the Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson Challenge, the match. Not to be confused with the game or the showdown. The match pay per view died a natural death. Uh, the streaming issues led to a free access online. The paywall was ultimately dropped, allowing everybody to watch for free. Uh, most regional cable carriers are going to refund the 1995 uh, fee it charged viewers. It kind of falls that so scenario. You had one job to do. Get me on the air. If you're not on the air, you can't collect your tariff. Interesting concept. But production did not live up to the hype of the two of the greatest golfers in history, LT Gray and gambling Phil Mickelson. Production crew, you won a, a big award here. Feel good about it because you folks are pet coon goofy. I hope you're enjoying the show today, folks, and it's always fun to talk about products that I actually use. Uh, I really do a lot of research, a due diligence, on making sure that that I'm not endorsing something or reading a commercial of a product that isn't as good as we make it out to be, or I'm just BSing you. I'm not going to do that. That's why I love to talk about Quip. Uh, when you're on the road and you're taking shortcuts and you're always in a hurry, the one thing you can't sacrifice in doing, folks, this makes common sense, don't neglect your teeth. Just don't neglect your teeth. Uh it's a great gift. 
Quip is a great gift. It's on everybody's list this year because it's practical, it's affordable. It's something that that gift, that receiver of that gift will use at least twice a day, every day. It was featured on Oprah's O list. That's how big this thing is, how good it is. And it's perfect for everyone with a mouth. This it gift is Quip, an electric toothbrush designed to make brushing better. That simple. Sensitive sonic vibrations is gentle enough on your sensitive gums. Uh, it has a built-in timer with guiding uh, pulses that remind you when to switch sides. Common sense. Common sense. It makes holiday travels clean and easy with a multi-use cover that mounts to mirrors and unmounts to slide over the bristles for a on-the-go brushing. Quip does not require a clunky charger and runs for three or four months on one charge. I find that to be a great feature. So I love Quip because it cleans my teeth. It does it effectively every single time. It's foolproof. It's JR-proof. I love it. And I hope that you'll check it out as well. You know, they got over uh, 5,000 verified five-star reviews. 5,000 verified five-star reviews. A lot of people like Quip. They've heard it here on the show. They're reacting. They're trying it. And they're liking it. It looks like a big-ticket tech gift, quite frankly, with a stocking stuffer price because it starts at only $25. Big time. $25. $25. What a great stocking stuffer. So go to getquip.com slash JR. If you do it now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Folks, that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash JR. You and your teeth and your gums are going to love it. Because you are one lousy son of a bitch. Oh, no! One of my favorite parts of the show is uh, this week in wrestling because it takes me back to situations I either read about, I experienced, I heard about, whatever. Uh, and I enjoy that trip through memory lane, for the lack of a better term. 45 years ago, now this is what's scary. 45 years ago was one year before I got into the wrestling business. Hmm. Yeah. That's some heavy duty math, right? December 1st, 1973, Philadelphia arena in Philly, big WWWF show. And on that event, Stan Stasiak defeated then champion Pedro Morales, huge upset. Nobody saw that coming to win the uh, world heavyweight championship. Stan the man would hold the title for just about a week before he lost this uh, young up, upcoming star named Bruno Sammartino at Madison Square Garden. Transitional champion and more, but still, he's like Ivan Koloff, a great champion, but the transitional version. 39 years ago on uh, December the 4th, 1979, I think I, I think I was at this show. Mid-South Wrestling, Baton Rouge, was the night that uh, Bill Watts defeated the then-champion Mike George to earn the Mid-South North American Heavyweight title. Uh, they had a big feud. They, they did some good business. Uh, Mike George, very talented young guy that Cowboy liked. 
and they they had good chemistry because Bill was going to do what Bill did and called it a day, and Mike was uh, able to adapt. That's what you got to do to the senior member. You adapt as best that you can. Also on that card, uh, I see where Buck Rowley defeated the junkyard dog by disqualification. That was to stay to maintain the heat on Buck because he would eventually get killed by a dog. Uh, the Freebirds on that card defeated Charlie Cook and Stan Hansen. Mike Sharp versus Bob Sweetan, ugh, ended in a no contest. Uh, so uh, Big Cowboy got a strap back, 1979. Then a year later, which would make it 38 years ago, in Shreveport, uh, the Mid-South Mississippi heavyweight champion, Lynn Denton, the grappler, retained the title by defeating Killer Carl Cox. Uh, that was a rematch from the Superdome extravaganza just a couple days earlier. Lenny Denton was such an underrated masked man. He was just really, really good at what he did. And uh, for those that haven't watched much of Killer Carl Cox's work because of the availability of it, you should find it. He's a genius. He was one of the great character baby faces I've ever seen, notwithstanding the fact that he was a badass, believable, don't screw with me heel. He didn't smile in his promos. He didn't skip to the ring. He exuded anger, angst, danger. He was a villain, and he liked it. Uh, 27 years ago, 1991, uh, in Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, uh, Bret Hart retained the WWF Intercontinental title, uh, defeating Skinner, Steve Kern. Uh, also on that big card, uh, before I got there, by the way, I just I remember the card. Uh, I'm reading it. We got we researches. That's what producer Ted does. He does a great job. Randy Savage, Jake Roberts, Bulldog, Warlord. You get the picture. But the main event was just six days after earning his first WWF heavyweight title at SummerSlam. The Undertaker loses the title after Hulk Hogan defeats him by throwing ashes into Undertaker's eyes. Works every time. 17 years ago, All-State Arena in Chicago, one of my favorite arenas in the whole world. I can promise you that. SmackDown taping. Uh, a lot of noteworthy things, a lot of noteworthy people in this card. Christian and Tess for a tag team. Rob Van Dam uh, retained the hardcore title, beating Matt Hardy. Uh, Edge, Kane, and the Big Show defeated the Deadlies and uh, William Regal. By the way, uh, Bubba Dudley does a great job on Bust Open Radio. If you guys haven't heard him on there with Dave LaGreca, I understand Dave's the point guard, and he and Alex uh, Metz keep their rudder in the water, but they, they their show is really hitting all cylinders. It's the Sirius XM Channel 93. They're on uh, Monday through Friday from uh, in Oklahoma from 8 until 11, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., uh, 9A to noon in the East Coast. And then they repeat it in its entirety. It's a great thing. So they do a really good job, and uh, – they're going to be celebrating their 10th anniversary WrestleMania weekend, I understand. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they have planned, and hopefully I can be a, do a drive-by, as they say. Love the show. They take good care of us, too, and we appreciate those guys. Uh, also on that card in, in Chicago, man, it was it – was, I wonder who booked this card. Wow, pretty good. Undertaker defeated Bradshaw. Austin The Rock defeated uh, Jericho and Kurt Angle. But perhaps the most remembered facet of the program was Vince McMahon receiving a stink face from Rikishi 
that folks uh, probably won't soon forget, and many of us then paid the price for. Yes, indeed, I kissed his ass many times, professionally and personally. <laughs> oh, Lord. All a part of the journey, folks, all a part of the journey. Twelve years ago, December 3rd, 06, at uh, I Feel Good, James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia, you know, James Brown and Teddy Long were once good buddies. Teddy had quite a career in music. A lot of people don't know that. And he knew James, Brother James, very well. Teddy was not, I've heard him talk about it. As a matter of fact, he talked about this in the Buff Show for Radio Show. He wasn't above taking a little payola from James Brown for those for those songs. I wasn't either. I took it. Uh, but they had a big event in Augusta, ECW December to Dismember. I like the title. 06, big pay-per-view in 2006. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad came out of it, but uh, it's, it's good to see the, the names on the card. Uh, the brand probably deserved a lot better than it got in WWE, quite honestly. Uh, but on the main event, by the way, Bobby Lashley wins the ECW world title after surviving an extreme elimination chamber match. He defeated the then-champion the Big Show, CM Punk, Hardcore Holly, Rob Van Dam, who I saw at uh, uh, Russell Cade. Look great. And test. At the James Brown Arena, 12 years ago. Man, time flies. And now let's take a look at the birthdays. And we got some pretty distinguished birthdays this week. First of all, he's a member of so many halls of fame. WWE, WCW, NWA, the big cat. Ernie Ladd would have been 80 today. I loved Ernie. He was a great mentor. He taught me a lot about booking shows. He taught me a lot about how to con communicate with athletes. He tried to help me, and he did, learn how to communicate with the African-American athlete. Uh, so I owe Ernie a lot. On two, Every other Tuesday, we'd go to a Cowboys hotel room at the Holodome, Holiday Inn in Shreveport by the airport. Ernie have a room. I got a room. Cowboys got a room. Go to Cowboys, write two hours of TV. It already been kind of blocked in. We'd, we'd, we'd uh, fix it up. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the right, Cowboy would be yawning. We're done. We'll, we'll tweak it tomorrow. Ernie and I would leave, go to my room, open the patio door, smoke our hearts, little hearts to death, <laughs> and play dominoes. Sometimes those damn domino games lasted all night. I'm not kidding you. So Ernie was my mentor, uh, answered all my questions, and helped me learn the game of dominoes. He liked it real good until I started beating his ass. Then he accused me of cheating. So but I love the guy. Still love him. Quite the, quite the character. Uh, the oldest son of Stu and Helen Hart, uh, Smitty, Smith Hart, would have been 70 today. He passed away in July. Uh, Stagger, uh, Lee Marshall, the voice of uh, a lot of cartoons, a ring announcer, uh, broadcaster in wrestling, AWA, WCW, would have been 69 today. And uh, two-time NWA world champion Rob Conway, hell of a hand, very underrated, 47 today. And uh, Eric Rowan, who's healing from a torn bicep, is uh, 37 today. And all I can say, I hope Eric is not only training and watching his diet, but he's watching the big men 
that succeeded him in the business. The big athletic guys, the big 300 pounders that could move around and learning more things, refining his game, adding a few wrinkles. If Eric Rowan comes back with not one new thing added to his repertoire and he's the same as he left, he's failed. On Thursday, my main man, Mean Gene Oakland, still blowing and going. He's 80 years old. God bless Gene. Gene's been a great ally of mine for a long, long time. 80 years old, Gene. I love you, buddy. The King, Jerry Lawler, will be 69, arguably his favorite number, on Thursday. Former WWE champion John Bradshaw Layfield is going to be 52 on Thursday. Former knockout champion Rosemary, uh, a.k.a. Courtney Rush, is 35. And uh, who else has got a birthday? Oh, yeah, Friday uh, we have uh, Tom Zink, the Z-Man, one of Brian Pillman's tag partners at one time, would have been 60. God, these guys are dying too young. Uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard saw him at battle at the Russellcade. Uh his old partner, Chigolo Jimmy Del Rey, would have been 58. It's sad to say what it would have been. They're dead. It's bad. 11-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Jushin Thunder Liger, arguably the greatest junior heavyweight, cruiserweight ever. A lot of argument could be made that somebody at Rey Mysterio, but Jushin Thunder Liger is always going to be in the conversation, one, two, or three in the uh, – in the junior heavyweight division. Uh, fellow Westwood One podcaster, as Steve Austin calls him, the little bastard, Jay Resso, a.k.a. Christian, 45 years old. They just started a couple weeks ago here on uh, the mighty Westwood One. He and uh, Edge. And uh, one of my favorite people in the world, she's, only, she's 31 on Friday, SmackDown Women's Champion Naomi. Really, really athletic. I don't know why sometimes, I guess it is this. I think sometimes she's taken for granted. She's really, really talented. Athletic, tough, believable. And uh, i got to be a joy to work with behind the scenes as well, I'm thinking. On Saturday, the late Klondike Bill. Yes, that Klondike Bill. The man that reportedly once got syphilis of the eyes from the, a lady in the Fort Smith, Arkansas bus station. 87 would have been his birthday, his age, on Saturday. Strongman gimmick. He's a Canadian strongman, thick, short, powerful. The reason that story in Fort Smith is such a, is a story, I heard it so many times because allegedly when Klondike did that, he had to sit out for a few weeks to, to get, you know, he wouldn't, so he wouldn't be contagious, apparently. And they had to redo a lot of booking because he was in main events. I heard that story time and time again. I get it. On Monday, Ozzy Archer is going to be 70. Uh, real promising young man, Wolfgang, a.k.a. Barry Young, is 32. He's a good, talented kid. Kid, 32. It's a kid to me. And on Tuesday, the inaugural WWWF World Tag Team Champion alongside Luke Graham, the late Tarzan Tyler from Montreal. He'd have been 91 on Monday. And... I remember a referring a match between Tarzan Tyler and Bill Watts in Tulsa at a nice house 
a good crowd, very violent match. It went about probably six or eight minutes. And uh, going over the match, the only thing Cowboy said, we're going to do this one spot. You need to be standing here. And then uh, Tarzan's going to drop down. No, uh, I'm going to drop down, and Tarzan's going to l- jump over me and run through you. I had never taken a bump in my life. I had no training. A good thing I was wearing black pants because I'm sure I was – I might have been doing a little Drake, Drake Maverick here. I might have been peeping a little bit. So sure enough, here comes uh, – Here they do the crisscross. I get in the middle of the ring or the middle of the ropes near the edge of the ring, but inside the ring, and there's Cowboy dropping down. Boom. Here's Big Tar and Tar- Tarzan Tyler Ren. He hit, he hit me as safely as he could because he's a pro. He didn't like the spot because I didn't. He said, "How many times have you been bumped to the floor?" I didn't know I was going to the floor, so I said, "Never." He shook his head and he knew that we both had to do what Bill wanted, and we did. But I didn't have to worry about going to the floor, taking my own bump. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll hit you. You take your own bump. Uh uh-uh. uh. Mm mm. I stood there like a plate full of piss. Drake Maverick reference, and he ran through my ass, and I landed on the outside of the ring, in a flat. It was a hell of a bump. The crowd goes ooh and ah because it was ugly. I looked like a cow on ice, very clumsy. But he was a tough dude, man. Tarzan Tyler, kind of a did some heavy work uh, collecting and things like that at one time I hear in Montreal. But what a smart, psychologically smart in ring performer was Tarzan Tyler. Three-time TNA Knockouts champion. She's one of my favorites, I don't mind saying. Uh, she's a new mom again. Brooke Tessmacher. Brooke Adams. She'll be, she's 34 on uh, Tuesday. Find her on Twitter and wish her happy birthday. Some of her photography while she was pregnant is uh, bold and captivating. And uh, finally... Happy birthday goes to two-time IWGP junior heavyweight champion. He's a great one, too, folks. He's been hurt. I hope he gets to come back full speed sooner than later. Hiromu Takahashi, 29. At one point this year, before he got hurt, obviously, I thought that he was as good a junior heavyweight as there was earning a check in wrestling in this country, in this world, in this globe. Really going to be good. Big star. Big big time star, and New Japan's got a lot of those kids in that division, uh, Kushida, well, others obviously. But uh, happy birthday to Hiromu Takahashi! Love to see him back in the ring. So happy birthday to all you cats! Come on over, because old Jr's got the cake. You know, for the past several weeks, I've been uh, discussing with Blue Chew uh, them coming on the show as a sponsor, and the only way that I would do it is to use it. Why would I want to sell you guys something that I don't use or I don't believe in? It's not trusted. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. So, uh, in the spirit of due diligence, I have tried Blue Chew, and it works. So, fellas, if you want to last a little bit longer, and uh, as they say in boxing, go a few extra rounds, you got to go to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. Check this out. They've got the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. Can you imagine how many millions of Viagra and Cialis pills have been sold over the years? And that would have happened if they didn't work. Same active ingredients here. Since they're chewable, 
they work faster than a pill. As a matter of fact, many say up to twice as fast. You take them anytime, night or day, even on a full stomach. Blue Chew is so much more inexpensive than Viagra and Cialis. So much more. Plus, here's, listen to this. This is what Tony Schiavone was pointing out to me on the phone the other day. You don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line because Blue Chew ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Indeed, they do. So here's the deal, guys. Real simple. Cutting right to the chase here. Blue Chew works. It works better, in my view, than Viagra and Cialis. I've tried those in my lifetime. Full disclosure here. OJR's honest son, bitch. Nothing else. So here is the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order of Blue Chew chewables free. Yep, free. When you use the promo code JR. You just pay $5 shipping. That's it. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code JR. You're going to be so happy you did this. You've got mail. You know, Ross, you are the fattest, ugliest son of a bitch I've ever seen. Okay, Terry, what brought that on? I don't like you. And the Longhorns are going to stomp a mud hole in your goddamn sinner's ass. Hmm. Well, I'll be at the game, will you? No. Case closed. Well, folks, it's mailbag time. Remember, you can uh, email us at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. We like a lot of these, uh, as you'll see here coming up momentarily, we, we appreciate your suggestions. Uh, we want your feedback. We want to make our show better. And you're a big part of making it better with your ideas and, and uh, what, your, what your observations are. Uh, this one from Matt Maybe in Fort Worth, Texas. I'll be next door to you, Matt, this weekend. Uh, hi, JR. I've been a big WWE fan my whole life. The first show was a house show in Dallas in 1994 when I was at 11. I was at WrestleMania 17 at the Astrodome in 2001, as was I. I was wondering where that mania ranked for you personally. So many great moments, Austin's heel turn, and eh, uh, the TLC match, brilliant, and more. There was a lot more. Uh it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, pay-per-view that I worked on for a lot of reasons, and a lot of it was geography, because that building, the Astrodome, was such a vital part of my upbringing, and me and my dad would watch the Houston Astros uh, and the uh, Houston Oilers, more specifically, of uh, good old Bum Phillips uh, play uh, on Sundays. And I just, I remember my dad telling me one time that, God damn, son, that, that Astrodome would hold a lot of hay, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sure would, Dad. So the building was special. Uh, bold move to be a part of, whether you liked it or not. You did your best to try to sell it. And uh, Austin turning heel, to me, was akin to John Wayne becoming a Nazi. Didn't make sense. This from Bruce Mello. Apparently no relation to Car Mello. You speculated that fans would take about a year to before we fully digest and embrace the brand split decision. It's been a few years now, but what do you think of it today? I listen every week. Thanks. Well, Bruce, I, I think it's a, it's a necessary evil. The only thing that has ever harmed the, the uh, presentation of the brand split is that people in creative get impatient 
and they don't give talents that are specifically SmackDown or Raw time to get over, and they start robbing Peter to pay Paul. So when you bastardize the, the talents, sometimes I forget who's on what brand, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. So I think it's a necessary evil, but it should stay more pure than not. And the overlap should come officially, a trade, a, a waiver deal, a two-week two trade. Uh, you know, this guy, we're going to go here for, uh, he's going to be on, our, on Raw for a month on this trade thing, special deal, whatever. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to frame it, but it's almost inevitable. I don't know how you'd not have a brand split nowadays and get everybody on, on TV. Look, the guys on top right now are, are getting a lot of TV time. That's lessening and weakening the mid-card and the, and the up-and-comers. And I don't like that. You always got to be building. Every segment, as I mentioned earlier, got to be something's got to be earned and achieved in every segment, every presentation on TV. What did who advanced in this presentation? If you have to scratch your head to figure that out, then it might not have been successful. So, uh, yeah, I think the brand splits in a necessary evil, without a doubt. And, and it will get better, but it will get better faster if it's more clean and more pure than all the overlap. This from Justin Harlow in England. Cheers, Justin. Hi, JR. I really enjoy your show every week. Enjoy hearing your insights into the current state of the business. I am curious on your thoughts on Dean Ambrose's shift in character this week from a really interesting, tortured soul, not explaining his actions, to a generic insult the hometown crowd heal. His comments on Roman also crossed the line in my eyes. Well, I agree with you that if I'm doing, if I'm ever in a position to have an input, have input on creative, uh, illness, serious illness, race, religion, politics, ain't going to make air. You don't tune in to a pro wrestling show to see bad humor, off hand comments on health, uh, politics, and at religion at times, it makes no sense. It sells no tickets. It sells no shirts. It's a waste of time. It's for individual uh, edification. It's for an individual type inside joke deal. So uh, I liked Ambrose's dark side, the tortured soul, better than him seemingly becoming a normal villain in pro wrestling. Talented dude, man. Make sure you give him all the best creative you can because he can draw you some money. Dean Ambrose is a main event guy, but he needs to be more Dean Ambrose than what is perceived Dean Ambrose should be by somebody that's never walked in shoes of that nature. And finally, from Sean Thornton's iPhone 10. <laughs> I like that. Uh, hi, JR. Let me start off by saying you are by far the best commentator of all time. Then, now and forever. I saw what you just did there. Let me get right to it. Please, JR, why are WWE not using Bobby Roode as one of their top villains right now? I don't know. Bobby Roode's very underutilized. Uh, I thought that he and Gable had a chance to, and I still do, to be a very effective heel team. But Bobby Roode is obviously underutilized. Bobby's got to make sure he manifests his own personality, gets it over on television to whatever opportunities he has. In other words, Bobby's got to really make sure he maximizes minutes. Because from bell to bell, WWE didn't have too many talents, if any, 
that are better than Bobby Roode. But Bobby's got to find that character again, that groove that he feels really comfortable uh, in standing out. I, I can't answer your question. I don't know the answer other than I agree with you, apparently, that uh, Bobby Roode is a big-time talent. He was a great get for WWE and that he could be doing more. Will that happen? Well, I, I hope it does for Bobby's sake and for the fans' sake because he, he always delivers. Can you imagine an up-and-coming wrestler having a, a program with Bobby Roode and how working on the road would help that young guy? That The invaluable nature of these guys like Roode who've got great experience, a lot of match time, and can help anybody get better. So I'm with you there, uh, Sean Thornton. Of course, that was uh, John Wayne's character in The Quiet Man. And I, too, Sean, have an iPhone 10. And that's the mail for this week, folks. Don't forget to check us out. Uh, drop a line. Give us some suggestions. Tell us what you like, what you don't like uh, at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. Man, I'm excited about uh, a new sponsor coming aboard. You know, as our audience grows, and it is growing, thanks to you cats. I appreciate all of you, quite frankly. Uh, more advertisers are jumping on board, and for that, we're very grateful. Purple Mattress. Have you heard of Purple Mattress? Let me tell you about it a little bit. First of all, never overestimate the value of a good night's sleep. Seriously. Look, I got sleep apnea. I wear the little mask. Have to sleep well, but if I'm on a lousy mattress, I don't care what I what I've done, I'm on my CPAP machine or not, I ain't, I'm not going to sleep well. You got to have, you got to start with the foundation of a good night's sleep, folks, and that's a mattress, right? So if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, uh, I got great great news for you, and it's all about Purple Mattress. Uh, you wonder, well, how's it different, Jr.? Tell me how it's different. Why should I even care about this damn thing? I got several reasons. Number one, the purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam that you may be used to. Uh, the purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft, believe it or not, at the same time. Uh, believe me in what I say. So it keeps everything supported while you still feel really comfortable. It's breathable, so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you this zero-gravity-like a feel, regardless of your sleeping position. So here's some things to remember about this purple mattress business. You get a 100-night free risk trial. If you are not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, and old mattress removal. So you're going to love this, folks. I swear, what do you got to lose? A 100-night risk-free trial with free shipping. And if you don't like it after 100 nights or before, you ship it back, and Purple Mattress is going to pick up the tab. You're going to love it. Right now, in addition to all the free gifts Purple is offering site-wide, our listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Just text JR to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow, the only way, is to text JR to 474747. 
47. That's JR to 474747. You got it. Now, remember, message and data rates may apply, but I got to tell you, folks, be ready for the 100 best nights of your life, sleeping-wise, and if you don't like it, just send her back. Purple Mattress. Text me, JR, at 474747. Well, he's the guru, ladies and gentlemen, of a wrestling journalist, and I don't throw the term journalist in the world of wrestling around too frequently, but Dave Meltzer is a journalist, and he's also my friend, and he's with us today from San Jose, California. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing really good, Jim. How are you? I'm good. I'm healing from my little tusk, my little fall, and uh, both eyes are still black, but they're not swell shut. My teeth are tightening back up. Uh, my nose has stopped bleeding, and I don't have as many headaches. So that's the thumbnail sketch wow. of JR's health as of today. Wow. <laughs> I got lucky, man. I really did. I got lucky. Uh, you know, sometimes that's that's better to be lucky than good. And I just missed a step and took a – the good thing was my face broke my fall, and that's far the – my head's the hardest thing I have in my body, so there you are. I wanted to talk to you about a lot of things today, but I want to start off talking about our, our friend Larry Matizic in St. Louis who passed away this week. And I don't think a lot of people, certainly the millennials – by and large, are not aware of the impact that Larry Matizek has had and, and, and will have his legacy will go on forever in the pro wrestling business. Can you explain that somewhat of a phenomenon? Because Larry wasn't a national figure, but he was a major figure. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, he was certainly a gigantic influence on me. I mean, I first heard of him when I was probably 11. Well, I mean, I, I don't know when I first heard of him, but I first started getting... They used to send the St. Louis programs out like 10 days ahead. They had a mailing list, and people subscribed, and it was a way to promote the matches in St. Louis, but they allowed you to subscribe outside of St. Louis, so I probably started subscribing to that like when I was 12, so I would read you know, up to you know, every card about a week before the card. We'd get, get in the mail, and I'd get all excited. God, I wish I was in St. Louis. Because he, he like, uh, promoted, you know, he wrote it in such, um, such exciting terms about how thrilling the matches were last month, and that led to what's happening this month, and Jack Briscoe's going to wrestle Dick the Bruiser or Dory Funk Jr. or whatever, and it was like, man, this just looks like it's... He painted a picture, you know, like in your imagination, that these were like the best matches anywhere in the world with the top talent, and, you know, most of the top talent came through St. Louis, which was like a real major capital. So that was how I first got acquainted with him, and then, um, you know, he was... Uh, um, I, you know, he, he promoted and booked there and of course, television announcer there. He was one of the preeminent television announcers of that era. And, uh, you know, things changed. Wrestling changed. He worked for Vince for about 10 years. Um, after, uh, Vince, you know, took over, so to speak, or started running nationally. And he wrote several books. They're really good books on wrestling, uh, wrestling at the chase, drawing heat the hard way. Um, just to keep that St. Louis memory alive. And, and he, um, you know, he had terrible, physical issues um, in recent years, as you're well aware of. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he was basically confined to a wheelchair from a pretty young age because his spine collapsed. It was really horrible, but his mind never went. You know, like, um, and the unfortunate thing is that um, typing, which, you know, he loved to write, but typing became so painful that he could only type for short periods of time, so he never got to finish his, his latest book, which was actually going to be a comparison of Sam Mushnick and Vince McMahon, who he both were, who he, I think he's the only guy who ever worked for both. 
and he was, um, you know, and you know, they were they were probably as different as different can be, but they were <laughs> yeah, two they, of the leading promoters that you know ever lived. Yeah. So um, he was like a he was a historian, a writer, promoter, television announcer, Booker. Um, I'm probably leaving publicist. Um, you know, uh, had a great rep in the community. Um, you know, I'm probably even leaving things out. He, but he was around wrestling. He was a fan from the '50s. His fa- do you know his father went to the Stecker Lewis match in 1928, which was like this World Championship Unification match. Oh yeah, I heard you and Brian talking about that uh, on one of your uh, uh, radio shows uh, in the last couple of days. And I wasn't aware of that, but that's uh, it's just uh, that's just uh, serendipitous. That's just karma. I mean, I think Larry really. I think of a lot of things Larry would be good at, and because you see, he was so meticulous, detail oriented, uh, and was willing to think outside the box. Listen, when you send out, getting the booking done in time to send the program out a couple of weeks in advance, and still having limited replacements, because I'm sure when uh, Mr. Sam booked that card and Larry booked the card, they intended for it was booked in ink, not pencil. So I I find that astounding, especially when you see. It looks like some creative on TV these days are done like the day before. Yeah, they were they were always several months ahead on on their plans, and um, you know they ran them in a very meticulous operation. They booked very clear. You know, it was before the days of computers, so this is kind of this would sound very weird to people listening. But they would have three by five index cards of every wrestler that that ever worked there, and it would have all the results of their matches. You know, going back in time, so. They kind of saw, like, who had beaten who and who hadn't. And, you know, when it came to – they were predictable in certain ways because when it came to building up a guy that they wanted to have, like, a world championship match on a big show, the guy was going to go on a winning streak. And, and if you were a fan, like I was, following this, I could see this winning streak, and it's like, okay, they're building this guy up. And they didn't swerve you, and they didn't feel that they needed to. You know, it was just like they, they booked – you know, Sam was such a sports guy, and, and as was Larry – they were sports guys, and it was kind of like, what would you do, you know, if you were, you know, kind of like a UFC. If UFC could work um, its matches, it's like, okay, we want to build to this big match. How do we get there? And, you know, you, you did the same thing with Watts. I mean, it was, it was similar. You know, it's like, we're building the Superdome, and we're not going to beat this guy going for the championship um, at the Superdome a couple times on TV so people don't figure it out. We have him win every match, so he's got momentum going in. So that was how they... That was how they booked their their city. You know, they didn't even have a territory. It was a, it was a one city operation. Um, they could have done more, but you know, it, it's interesting because, I mean, I guess one of the big differences between Sam and Vince is, you know, Vince is is such a I don't I guess workaholic is probably a, an understatement, but you know, you know how Vince is. You've worked with him longer than almost anyone. Sam was the opposite. Sam was laid back and. You know, he didn't. It didn't matter to him to be a multi, multi, multi millionaire. He was well off. He promoted his one show every couple of weeks, and he loved going to the the racetrack or the baseball games in the afternoon. And you know, it, it wasn't. It was a completely different mentality. He, he was a big sports fan, um, and he lived a normal life and 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 promoted wrestling as opposed to being twenty four seven wrestling. Yeah, not healthy. Uh, Sam, you know, Sam and some uh, uh, Sam's, when I met Sam three or four times, I, uh, he reminded me some of his traits and talking to Larry, some of the philosophy that, that Larry learned from Sam were much akin to the, some of the philosophy that I learned from Leroy McGurk. Same era, 
uh, same, you know, same uh, journey time-wise, you know, 30s, 40s. You know, McGurk's career, of course, ended in the early 50s uh, after he lost his sight in his other, his good eye. Uh, but Leroy had a lot of, I heard you guys talking about Sam's uh, bill paying. McGurk had the same philosophy. Mm. If, if a bill came in in the morning's mail, it went out, paid, in the afternoon mail. Right. What no gray area, or well, what about this, or what about that? End of story. It's just the way things are done. Right. No, and, no, no delays. Nothing. Right. I mean, Sam. No, uh-uh. it, they were they were sticklers about that. It went out. Yeah, it went out in the afternoon mail. Well, and the reason, and I, I, I probably, I think you probably would concur to some degree, is that it was so easy for pro wrestling in every generation, and it's even. It's been better, worse, whatever. But in every generation, there's always challenging PR issues to address as far as the overall general perception of the genre and the product in general. And so they did everything they could to always maintain good stead in their communities. McGurk was big with a blind dog uh, uh, helping uh, people that were uh, suffered blindness uh, get a guide dog. Uh, and ch- uh, various other charities. So McGurk was very active in the community of Tulsa with the charities because he didn't want any, he wanted any name, anytime the name wrestling was mentioned in his world, it was a good, it was a good mention. And Sam was a lot like that. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, they, they had great respect in their community. Um, and I mean, again, because he ran with the sports people, you know, like all the, the, the sports writers that wrote, you know, Sporting News was based there, and Sporting News was a big, big deal in that era. Big deal. Um, and, you know, the local newspapers were, were huge in the area, and the local sports writers, and they all knew him. You know, he, that was his social circle. So if there, if, there, if there was a story on wrestling, it was never a negative story. And in most places, it would be a negative story making fun of wrestling. And with them, it was like... You know, they would say, well, wrestling might be entertainment, and maybe the matches aren't completely on the up and up, but Sam Mushnick is honest, and it's a great night of entertainment. You know, and that's how they would phrase it. And, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a negative thing. And, I mean, you know, you, you know people who have seen, like, the, there's a, a documentary, it's on YouTube, um, on uh, the history of wrestling at the chase that Larry put together with KPLR, which was the TV station that Wrestling at the Chase aired on. So if you guys want to watch that, it's actually really good. Bob Costas did the, did the narration. He was the host. And it was a lot about Sam and everything like that. And, you know, you can see Joe Garagiola was the, who, I guess people listening to us don't know Joe Garagiola probably. But he was probably a not. gigantic <laughs> celebrity when we were kids. Um, on NBC, he was the host of the Today Show, did the sports, did Major League Baseball Game of the Week and all that. Well, he was Sam Mushnick. His first break in broadcasting was a Sam Mushnick's first television announcer at Wrestling at the Chase. So there's clips of, of Joe Gargiola announcing Wrestling at the Chase where the, the people, the fans are all, the, it's mostly an adult audience. They're in suits and ties. The women are in you know dresses and evening gowns. And you look at it and it's just... It's very different from from uh, I and mean, it's not a knock on on, on on the fans now or anything like that because it was a different era. But it was when you look at it, you go like, "Wow, this is not the wrestling audience that you know people if they would watch now would perceive." The venue was very unique, uh, having it uh, in a about a thousand seat uh, ballroom in a very classy hotel, the Chase. But the fact that men would come in co- suits and ties at ringside. Women, some in furs, some in, you know, like you said, uh, look like formal wear. That was not unusual in that era because uh, I McGurk had a ton of pictures. I always thought that uh, somebody could get access to Leroy's uh, photos. 
that, that he had in his office for all those years. You could do a book on the photos. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the people that he ran, you know, the stories, the people he ran around with, you know, I, James Cagney and all these little candid photos are really cool. Uh, but that was not unusual back in those days. So the fact that Larry Matizak learned, got his education at the, at the, under the hand of the great Sam Muchnick, he wrote these wonderful books, which I wholeheartedly endorse. Dave, what do you think, uh, people that are now maybe interested in Larry and that era and, and what he had to say after they watched the arresting at the chase documentary on YouTube, how do, how can they, can you get his books like at Amazon or what are eBay or what? Yeah, are we, what I we, think, I think that the, the, you know, ECW press, um, published the books, but I think you could get them. You can look on Amazon and, and most of his books are there. Um, and the, the drawing the heat, the hard way is a very interesting philosophical book. Wrestling at the chase is a great book because it, it, tells you kind of just how they operated. You know, it's a lighthearted um, thing of like what, what it was like working in the office for Sam, you know, the trials and tribulations, the highs and the lows and everything like that of that era. And he also wrote a book on Bruiser Brody, who was his, you know, very close friend who was murdered, who was a, a huge, huge star. You, you knew Brody. Actually, you knew Brody before Larry did because you guys kind of started in wrestling together, as I recall, in, uh, with yeah, Burke, right? But, yeah, about 74. Bill he was coming to St. Louis a couple of years later. Um, I'm going to get 77, 78 when Fritz von Erich first sent him, and he became a huge star there. And then they were very close and and um, you know worked together, promoted independent shows together, or did independent shows together and things like that until Brody was murdered. And you know Brody and um, Brody's wife and Larry are st- were were close friends, and um, they wrote a book together on on Brody. And there's um, Larry's also featured in the High Spots documentary on Brody, which I would highly recommend. I, I think that's one of the better documentaries on any wrestler that you would see. It's um, the Brody story is a very unique story in wrestling as well. Uh, our, our best to uh, the family and friends and people like you, Dave, that uh, were very, very close to Larry. I always enjoyed the conversations with him. Uh, I was uh, I met with him on the original meeting. I think it was me uh, and just me on this one to talk about buying the library, St. Right, Louis Wrestling Library. Right. And we had, a, we had a great breakfast. We had a lot of fun talking, but we didn't come up with a deal because the budget that I was allowed to spend was not uh, in what he felt was a fair offer. And I, I, it's subjective anyway, but I understand uh, where he's coming from. It was not a big pushback from me, but I wish we could have gotten the library, but he 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 knew what it was, he wanted for it. He thought it had great value. I believe him to be true, uh, but that's that was my biggest and longest meeting with Larry was a morning meeting about the library. We came close, but uh, but we still remained friends over the whole deal. Either I could I couldn't close it. Bottom line, yeah. He uh, I mean he I remember him when he met with you because he said that like you and him there's you know there's very few people around with the kind of backgrounds that you had and it was like um, you know because you were an, an announcer and you did a lot of the same things he did started in the office and all that and and, and um, yeah he was saying like you know wow he he and I have like very similar backgrounds <laughs> in the business yeah yeah we did two non-athletic guys that somehow found <laughs> their way in and and can't and, have, and weren't able to really truly uh, and cleanly find our way out. Uh, to any degree uh moving on here because i want to pick your brain on a couple of things uh i have i've tried to objectively uh watch i I try to objectively watch all pro wrestling tv shows i still love the business i'm not in i'm not as directly involved as you are with the wrestling observer uh and all your work with brian alvarez you guys do a great job 
And folks, if you don't subscribe to the Observer, what the hell's wrong with you? Thanks. I, I've been I've been I've been getting the Observer since I want to say the eighties. I would say mid eighties. Yeah. <laughs> I would say well, mid eighties. We were young bucks then, Dave. We're we're uh, we were really we're gonna the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to conquer the world, buddy. <laughs> we're going to change this damn business, right? Uh, the uh, but I, I would wholeheartedly check that out. But I believe that creative, in general, in wrestling, ex- excluding New Japan, which doesn't hang their hat on the quote unquote entertainment factor of the presentation of pro wrestling. They're entertaining because they're athletic. Many of us find hard-hitting athleticism and a certain degree of unpredictability entertainment. So, shame on me. But, man, it seems like everybody's trying to be a sitcom writer. And you're putting talents in a position that they're not best suited for. And, you're, and they're, so they're not coming off in the, in the way that you, should, you should want them to come off. Am I missing the mark there? Is entertainment trying to... Is, is, I guess, do these people think that wrestling's not enough? Or what? what's the problem? You know, I mean, to me, it's a funny thing. It's like, to me, it's, it's all entertainment. Um, but it, it, it should be good. It's like, I, I don't mind occasional comedy. I like it. But yep. it's not a comedy show. And, you know, the comedy can't be forced comedy. And I think the toilet humor stuff, I don't know. It's like, I kind of outgrew that in, in maybe junior high, you know? And a lot of the audience... You know, um, it is an older audience now, and so it's almost like you know, doing that that childish stuff is is out of touch with the modern audience in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, the thing you know that frustrates me, I guess, the most is you know the guys. You know, you know a lot of these guys better than I do, but you, but but I and I know a lot of the guys too, and a lot of these guys are they're they're very good in the ring, and they're they're. Um, they're very, they're very hardworking, conscientious, keep in shape, you know, train hard, try to watch what they eat. Um, and they have, per, they, they have, you know, compelling personalities, but the personalities they portray on television are so overly scripted that the person where I see them or talk to them and, and feel like, you know, this guy's got charisma, he could be something. And then when I watch him on TV, it's like, oh, uh, it's not working because, you know, that, like you said so many times, they're not actors. Um, no. They know how to be themselves, but when they're out there doing something that's really not themselves and not their own words, and reciting lines, they're it, it, it yeah the the and there's so much talking. I think that's part of it too. It's like if it was perhaps like you know 90 seconds of talking that's and you have to remember a few things, you might be okay. But when you're out there, there it's definitely there's very few guys that are good at, at extemporaneous speaking, and even the ones who are. You know, I, I, I think they could do it in three minutes instead of 15 and be just as effective, and the show would be would flow so much better because the audience wouldn't get so bored and things like that. And, and, and I mean, I you know, we both know it's real. Doing a three-hour show every week is, is challenging uh, as hell. Well, it's not, that's daunting. Look, but, uh, as long as WWE does a three-hour Monday Night Raw, and we all understand the financial uh, implications of doing three hours, I get that. And uh, for that reason... Uh, the old quote-unquote bottom line, I'm not against the three-hour show. I think there's things they can add to it. I think they could add a little bit more 205 content and attempt, at least attempt, to the national audience, a bigger audience, to get some of those talented young guys over that are in the 205 brand. Uh, I don't understand that. 
because they're they're always going to be perceived as oh that uh, online show, that digital show, and uh, they're not they're not really the main stars of any kind. They're just those smaller guys. They're preliminary guys. They don't even put them on Raw or SmackDown very often. I don't. I think that's a bad perception. Yeah, uh, I mean, I remember they used one, to have like one, they used to give them like one match and even sometimes twice two matches on Raw because it's a three hour show. And then whatever program the, on it. The decision was made to take them off the main shows and make them exclusive to 205 Live, and, and I think that that's hurt. Um, people well, just kind of forget that they're even around. because Kiss of death, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah out of mind, like man. It's purgatory, and then they come out on the pay-per-views, and God bless them, they work so hard that um, yeah. Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali match on the last pay-per-view was great. Really but good, really they good. They had to yeah. break their necks to get, you know, they did eventually, because the match was so good, get the people with them in the last couple of minutes. But, you know, people saw them and go, oh, we don't know these guys, and just, you know, when when... No matter how good you are, if people don't know you and have a like a kind of a, a, an emotional investment in you, it's really difficult for them to care about your match. It's just it's so hard. Yeah, I find myself watching uh, some of these long matches or matches in general on Raw and and to a certain degree on SmackDown, and instead of getting lost in the process, bell to bell. Uh, I am always, quote-unquote, kind of like the audience that's sitting at ringside, kind of looking over my shoulder to see who's going to run in. And the interference uh, component is always prevalent. And I've always felt like that back when, they, when, when the bookers used it less frequently, it meant so much more. And when somebody came out and got involved in another guy's match, that was big business. Now it's just the normal course of business, which means it is – uh, rudimentary. It is. It's just so unpre- It's so predictable, and it's so. Uh, I don't know. It just. It takes me out of the game now. So all of a sudden, I'm watching. Uh, 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 let me think here. I'm watching Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler Monday night. They had a real good match. I enjoyed a lot. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But you know what ruined it for me was me thinking. Okay, where's Rollins? Uh, where's uh, uh, Dean going to run in or what's going to happen here? Or when's, you know, is the big Scott going to come down or what, you know, whatever. I didn't know, but it took me out of the moment. So they do so many run-ins and other companies do the same thing to, to a lesser degree, man, those run-ins are the kiss of death. They used to be hot, but now they're, it's just old hat. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you, cause you brought that up a couple days ago is, um, what I thought I mean, I saw this once, um, not even once, actually regularly in the 80s. And it's when I, it really hit me was it was when, when the, it was in the Horseman era, which a lot of people will point to as like a great era. And, and, you know, those guys were great wrestlers. But I remember being at a live show, and Ric Flair was in a Scorpion Deathlock by Sting. And instead of the reaction being, oh, the world title's about to change hands, you saw everyone turn their heads to the entrance. <laughs> and I go, okay. They've done running so much that they, they're not even into the idea that the world title is going to change hands when Sting's got the Scorpion Deathlock on Rick. They are looking to see who's going to run in. And, and that's, to me, when, when mentally you're, you're thinking, when is the run-in coming, as opposed to being in the match, that's when you know you've done too many run-ins. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, another thing, there's, there's just some, I just wonder sometimes about, everybody's natural instincts regarding the, the wrestling business that are, that are writing some of the creative, uh, do they actually feel the logic or the lack of logic that uh, bites them in the ass? For example, the way it's positioned right now at, based on a SmackDown, uh, apparently Bobby Roode, who's a hell of a talented guy, 
apparently Bobby Roode, uh, Roode's uh, robe and his music mean more than winning the tag titles. And why would you cut away to a men's restroom during a, tag, a, a championship match? It, it, makes, piss, it, it, it completely pit. devalues the championship match to the point that somebody like was talking to me or, 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 or like contacted me and just go, why did they put the, the tag title in the middle of the show instead of, instead of in the main event spot because of all that? And it's like, ah, it's TV. You know, you do stuff at the end of the first hour, stop top of the hour and things like that. I, it doesn't, the position of matches on the show doesn't even bother me anymore because it's just that's how it is and I get it. But what got me was when he said that, I go, what was the tag team title match? And I just start thinking, it's like, oh, yeah, the match where he peed on the robe. And it's like, I, I, it, 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 it was so so ridiculous that it was like you you yeah you made the tag team match feel like this comedy match with guys that don't matter and i mean and when it was over you know it didn't get i mean i bobby root sort of looks like a goof which is the worst thing you never want your baby face to look like a goof no nope. moreover it made the championship mean like mean nothing may and it made it did, did it did the aop get great heat for winning no. that match no. no did did you come out of it going like oh I want to see Rudin Gable. They got screwed in the match. I want to see them come back. Those guys were really talented. No. And they are really talented. And I didn't think that at all when it was over. When it was over, it was just kind of like, next, uh, this, uh, yeah, the segment. It, it, it does, it, it, it was a totally counterproductive to me. And it really, to me, I don't think the show ever quite recovered from it. You know, even, even with that, you know, the, the Rollins and Ziggler match was very good. But I think that that whole thing where, you know, you're building to somebody peeing on a robe in the bathroom that right then and there, just kind of like, it, I don't think the show, it, 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 it was something a show I don't think could recover from. Yeah, I just, uh, it was a turn off. It, it's just, it, it killed my uh, sensibility of the thought of being disbelief because I'm seeing so many disconnects. They're coming at me so rapidly within these various scenes that at some point I, I just got, I have to flip the switch. It's okay, I just have to. Just take it easy here. Take it easy, Jr. It's not going to be what you want it to be, and maybe that's a good thing too. Hell, maybe just pass me by. But I know that when you that factor is. out logic, <laughs> logic Something like that, no way. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, it's just like sometimes you doubt your own uh, instincts, and uh, at this stage of life. But nonetheless, uh, I th- the thing I find is that the the run-ins are too too frequent, and everybody's got to have an out. I understand. I don't understand the inability to get over a finishing hold so uh, underscored, so prominently that when you get hit with the other guy's finish, you lose. Hence, it's a finish. The end. It's over. And what your goal is, as a storyteller, as an announcer, or whatever, is to uh, obviously to tell that story. If he gets hit with the right, it's like Tyson. If Tyson hits you with that left hook, you're done. I don't care who you are, you're done. So what are you? What's your game plan? Well, I want to. I don't want to hit with the right, the left hook, or the right for that matter with Tyson. But nonetheless, you see what I'm saying is that you tell a different story. And then last night I'm watching. I think it was last night. It might have been, not, it might have been Monday. And there's a oh, is, is there in that Baron Corbin uh, fiasco? Yeah. Where everybody's you know on Monday, and I'm thinking the announcers are talking backstory. Right in the middle of somebody getting the shit stomped out of them. And so it tells me that, okay, the announcers know it's a work. They're not getting really pumped up about it. They're not documenting this ass whooping. 
I guarantee you, if they had not documented the uh, Singapore cane with Charlotte and Rhonda, they've been held to pay from upper management. They would not have stood for it, and nor should they. But I don't get that either. That takes, and I, I know that's these guys. I'm not knocking Cole and and uh, all these they're other doing dudes. Their job. You know that they're doing their job, man. They're they're doing what they're told to do. Yeah. I just don't understand the philosophy of what they're being told. I, it's 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 just discon, It's I've cut loose from it, Dave, and I don't really like that. Yeah, I mean, even the the Ronda thing. You know, the Ronda thing at that on that pay per view. I thought was watching it like this is great. This is like. The people are into it. I mean, even though they were booing Ronda and everything, they were reacting. Um, and, and it felt like we were, you were seeing something really momentous. Because, you know, Ronda's been pretty much untouched. She hasn't had a real heat angle put on her. It's the first time. And she shows up and she's smiling the next day on television. And I'm thinking, what a waste. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like if you're going to do it, do it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying she's got to be out for six months. No, she could sell it the next a week. Night. A I mean, week? Are you kidding me? Especially because she took a legitimate beating. You saw all those welts all over her body. It's like, yeah. okay, you know, I mean, more power to her for taking it, but sell it. Make it. If she was kept off TV for three weeks, and they said that Ronda Rousey is injured, and then she comes back three weeks later vowing revenge, it would have been so much better than her coming out smiling and shaking hands with all the fans the very next night and wrestling the very next night and winning the very next night. Well. I mean, how much of a beating did Charlotte really put yeah. on her? To me, it ruined the whole Charlotte, um, or not, it didn't ruin it, but it, it, it took down the whole thing. For, it did. You know, like, it. like I was excited when, for, for the idea of a, of a rematch, and, and I'm sure it'll still be a great match, but to me, that, that fire is gone because she was wrestling the next night. How bad was it? Well, they, I almost thought, well, they want everybody to see her welts and, and sell that aspect, but then to my own chagrin, well, on Monday night when Ronda was on TV after the uh, this uh, Singapore Cane incident at Survivor Series, they didn't even do any close-ups of the welts. No, no, no. So, you, so I, and I, well, you, we're not going to be coarse. You got your own thing over better than they got the thing they were trying to rob money with over. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's what happens. Hey, uh, I wanna, the uh, one other thing here as we move on, uh, and I know you're busy as hell, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, the... Uh, the, the couple of weeks ago, I think it was maybe a week ago. I don't know the uh, trademark thing with the Khan family. Uh, obviously, got everybody's interest stirred up again uh, on this. And I listened to you and Brian talk about that. I really do enjoy your audio show, and, and uh, more folks should check it out at rescueobserver.com. But I I thought your explanation was probably the most logical thing I've heard about this whole matter. Two things you have to have to start a wrestling company television talent yep. in that order if you don't have television a viable television i'm not talking about pop tv i'm talking about a real television outlet a major uh, uh cable entity that everybody has access to without you know having to have a special uh package or subscription or what have you if you don't have tv you don't damn this sure don't need any talent so until this company if it ever happens, it's an idea right now. Like you said, thought it was beautifully put. If they don't get TV, there is no company. No viable if company. No, yeah. no. And it's, it's not what they, I think the goals might be, but I've heard everything. I've, I've been rumored to be in every role of this company. It's <laughs> just really, and what you find out is eye rolling. I sort of got it's eye rolling. Uh, and 
it's just amazing where at one point it's Jericho and me, which I thought, that's that's really stupid. Uh, me and Jericho are going to spend all the money we've made over the years to get into the wrestling business. Nah, you crazy? Are you nuts? Uh, and then secondly, um, it was then we're not involved at all. It's, it's these other guys that are really the uh, movers and shakers. There ain't nothing to move here, folks. There ain't nothing to shake. Am I... Is that a? Am I dodging all the issues here, Dave? Or is there something I'm not addressing that don't people don't I mean, understand? You know, it's funny because, I mean, I was aware, obviously, of of, of rumors and things like that. But to me, like, and, and when when the first story broke, which was the one about you and Jericho, and people going like, well, "What do you think?" And I That's go, "Super I agent, super, I, I super think, agent, very one." I knew that that wasn't the the thing. But the other one was is like, until there's a viable media outlet involved. It's talk, you know, and guys talk all the time. I mean, I'm sure you, you've got your friends in Oklahoma, you know, and, and Toby Keith and people who at times have, hey, you know, I mean, maybe whatever. But until there's a, a, a company and a TV deal, it's, it's talk. And right now we're still at the talk. I know that, you know, obviously Cody's made it very clear that there's, it's, it's, it's serious talk, but it's still, you know, um, until everything's intact, it's it's still you know I mean it wasn't for the trademarks I don't even know if I would have reported it but once the trademarks are out then it becomes okay yeah. it's it's it, there, there's a viable story here but I still think yeah I mean yes it could be it could be a giant story and it could turn out to be nothing and you know we'll know in in due time right now you know we're we're in a holding pattern because until yeah, when or if a TV deal is placed and then. The te- I, I think if there's a viable TV deal, I think there's enough names and talent that we kind of do know a nucleus of who could be there. Um, but even so, it's 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 a few people, you know. And obviously, and, and it'd be a great it's a great group to start. But you also need more than that. So yeah, there's a lot of questions. Um, and and in due time, it's either going to happen or or it's not. And 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 we're gonna, you know, I, I mean, we're gonna start knowing stuff. You know, I would say early next year, one way or the other. I think so. I think uh, I think the activity, whatever it may be, good, bad, or indifferent, depending on one's point of view, will escalate after the new year, yeah, uh, and not too long after the new year. Uh, television networks are already in the decision-making mode because I know the, those talks have been ongoing. Uh, but I don't. I'm not in that loop. I'm not pitching anybody. I'm not. I don't have a job. I don't. I don't work for I I don't work for them. You know I'm uh, at this point in time. So I, I just uh, I think it's I think this it's either not going to happen whatsoever because the uh, the the best TV situation could not be earned, or it's going to be big, big in meaning a company with a lot of money with a lot of resources, a lot of contacts in the media uh, will want to do it right, and I can't imagine. If it happens, big if, that the Khan family is going to want to have a show that looks like, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lesser, lesser quality looking show than WWE, lighting, music, graphics, all that stuff. Uh, well, listen, I, I know you're busy as heck. Uh, again, my condolences regarding uh, our old friend Larry Matizak, and uh, he's in a better place, as they like to say, and and I believe that. Uh, so uh, he's. He's a, he's a great friend, and I'm glad I got to know him. I, I wish I had known him as well as you, Dave, but uh, he was a good dude, and we lost he's a good a one on that guy day. and a really, really smart guy. And, yeah. You know, it's funny because it's like I feel, I feel he was very underutilized after 
you know, 1984 in the wrestling industry. I mean, I, you know, he, he's one of those guys where you talk to him, like, man, he, he knows it and he gets it and he's got the experience. You know, like, you know people like that and that somehow, you know, the business changed and they kind of, um, you know, I don't know, but they just didn't, it, they didn't remain in it, not, not by choice, but by the fact it constricted. But there was so much knowledge and, and input and, you know, like if he was, if he was in creative, he was really good at logic and, and perhaps... I mean, I, I think he could have helped any of the creative for any company at any time. I mean, he, he was very good at that. So, very good. It's too very bad. Good. Yeah, sure was. Well, listen, uh, have a great week. My best to your family and uh, and uh, crazy little Brian Alvarez. You guys are are fun to listen to, and I enjoy uh, I enjoy the opinion. Uh, and again, sometimes we don't understand. It's, opinions are very subjective, kids. <laughs> Don't get, don't go crazy now. Don't die on that hill because you did, a, you disagree with somebody's opinion. Uh, that's we have. There's some of our societal issues uh, can be traced back to some of those uh, philosophies. Well, if the yeah. guy doesn't agree with me, then he's wrong, and he's, he's bad. Not. He and that's not the way it is. He doesn't agree with everything I say. Geez, I don't want everyone to agree with everything I say anyway. That's that's <laughs> that means you're not thinking for yourself. Now, if you disagree with everything I say, I also that means I'm probably in your head and you're you've got a problem because. <laughs> <laughs> you should never do that. But but you know, it should be a guide and you learn from it, but goddamn, you know, don't you don't have to be you don't have to be a parrot or everything, but you do yeah, learn from like the gym. You know, Jim's a really, really knowledgeable guy. Do you agree with everything he says? Maybe not, but you know, if you say, Oh, Jim doesn't know anything, man, you're 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 number one, you're closing your mind to so much you can learn and you're you're way, way, way wrong. Because, <laughs> you know, like look, Jim's been around longer than almost anyone in the business today and he's had incredible experience and he's got great street smarts about this industry so you there's tons to learn that's 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 always my philosophy you know i'd love that show you did with bill you know um whatever it was a couple months ago i yeah. love that show because you know bill is such a smart guy even even at his age he was just he can articulate and even now i learned from bill from listening to that show and it's great logic baby he uses that logic that this common sense approach don't do anything that creates an eye-rolling moment or breaks somebody's concentration. That's what we mentioned earlier. When you're watching a match, and it's a good match, uh, i.e. Uh, Rollins and Ziggler from Monday night uh, on Raw, I believe that the run-ins hampered my enjoyment of the match. I wanted to get lost in it, but I just felt, well, you know something's going to happen. You know, Mac and, Mac, Drew's going to come in uh, or uh, – it's going to be uh, our uh, Ambrose or something, but so it messes us up a little bit. But Bill's still, hey, he's he's seventy eight years old. He was as sharp as a tack when he was on the show, and well, and and it was a really well received program too, Dave. A lot of folks liked that history lesson that he provided, and we'll do that again, I'm sure, sometime soon. Hey, Dave, thanks uh, a lot for being with me. I always enjoy talking to you. It's like talking to an old friend on a car trip. So uh, I'd like to have you back here anytime and. If I can be on your show at any time, just let me know. Okay, thanks very much. Loved it. You bet. You bet, buddy. Man, we've had a great show today. I really appreciate you guys being with us. Don't forget to rate, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, Spotify, Testify, or wherever you get your Slobrocker audio. Wherever you hear podcasts, we are there. Uh, we appreciate your five-star reviews. We're trying to get to 1,750. New goal. Five-star reviews. Uh, we need one, seven, eight. Can you help us? Just, uh, 
log on Apple Podcast uh, and uh, do the business. Five star rating, comments. We appreciate you. Uh, a little feedback here from uh, Withers. W-I-T-E-R-Z. I think I said it right. He says this. Unsolicited now, folks, by the way, because this is a little, uh, as Monsoon would tell me, don't break your arm patting yourself on the back type dialogue. It says, I have grown up listening to Jim Ross call some of the best artistic portrayals of hand-to-hand combat, known by many as professional wrestling. What made him successful in that arena was his real-life emotional connection with what he was watching and his role to convey that emotion to his audience, which was a global cross-section of society. Thankfully, the Jim Ross Report harnesses this energy and reveals the humanity involved with superstars from wrestling across the ages and today. To ask the questions we all wondered and never knew we wanted to know. It's fast-paced, on-topic, and as real as it gets. And I thoroughly look forward to each episode. If you ever want to know how it all happened and what makes these successful people tick, this is the podcast to listen to. Man, I couldn't written that even better myself. That uh, brings tears to my eyes. I appreciate it very much. Hey, we're doing our best here. we got a great team. Producer Ted, Raphael, good guys, good guys, good people. Uh, folks, don't forget, we, we appreciate those uh, comments, those questions. Interview suggestions, we got them at uh, the Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. That's our little email there. You can use it anytime you want. The Jim Ross Report at gmail.com. Suggestions, questions, what have you. Uh, remember that our new episode escapes every Wednesday uh, right out of uh, Southern California. I'm on Twitter, as you know, at, at JRSBBQ. We are Facebook and Instagram people at Jim Ross BBQ. And uh, so keep up social media there. We appreciate that. Uh, don't forget, a week from Saturday, we're going to be in Cleveland at Hilarities. Hilarities.com, the last JR and the King show of 2018. Love to see you there. Tickets are still available at uh, Hilarities.com. Uh, next week, folks, uh, we're going to have, after this great conversation with Dave Meltzer, uh, and I'm not blowing that off because Dave's one of our He's one of our best guests. He's just got such credibility uh, in the eyes of many. And some he doesn't. I get it. He's Because he's opinionated. But he's got a great education. He's got great mentors. Paul Bosch, Larry Matizic, Bill Watts, and others have helped Dave uh, kind of get his feet on the ground in this crazy, wacky business of pro wrestling. So next week, uh, to follow up on what we talked about this week, I'll have part two of Dave Meltzer, Wrestling Observer, WrestlingObserver.com. Part two, we're talking about uh, his star rating system. Do you ever think it would get to the level that it has as far as the banter and and the – it's almost like a lightning bolt. We're talking about the star ratings. I've called some big star rating matches that he's uh, rated. I think seven – I think I think I had a six or seven star one with Flair and Steamboat one time. Anyway, uh, he's going to talk. We're going to talk to him about the, the chemistry between uh, Okada and Omega, uh, and Omega in general. Uh, why the Wrestle Kingdom show is selling at a at a fast pace, from what we're told. I believe it's because of uh, Tanahashi's chance to get back to the promised land, uh, and 
We're going to talk about uh, New Japan, uh, Ring of Honor in the Garden, uh, WrestleMania weekend. And for some guys, like Tanahashi, wrestling in the Garden is a bucket list. They never thought it would be possible. But now they can live their dream on the Saturday before WrestleMania in uh, New York City at the world's most famous arena. So part two next week with uh, Dave Meltzer. We're going to cover some good stuff. I'm also going to be joined for the first time by the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling, the very talented Ian Riccoboni. I think Ian Riccoboni does a phenomenal job. He's tailor-made for the Ring of Honor product. I wouldn't mind working a, a, a match or two with him somewhere down the road myself. Uh, really a credit to the broadcasting side of the business. I sent out a tweet the other day from that Al Michaels was telling somebody about uh, his theory on broadcasting, which matches mine to a T. When you're doing television, allow the images to speak for you. Do not be ashamed or think you're sliding by with a half-ass effort by laying out. It's not that way. Let the matches breathe and evolve. I think Ian does a nice job of that. We could all, no matter what company we're working for, uh, could do a better job of letting the the audio, the video match up to your audio. I am a big, uh, I don't like the fact that you hear some announcers talking about something that's totally unrelated to what I'm seeing. So where is my focus? How do I, how do I process the different pieces of information you're throwing at me? I find it challenging. So we'll, have, we'll talk about to Ian about that. And, of course, he's getting ready to call Final Battle for Ring of Honor. Big pay-per-view coming up. It's all going to be good, folks. So uh, a fun show again next week. I, I really appreciate you guys being with us. Hope you enjoy the are enjoying the holiday season, if, as it were, and uh, taking care of each other, doing nice things for those around you. You'll feel so much better. I had a guy standing by the post office the other day. Poor guy down his luck. I went in to mail some letters, and he had no money. He had, I got a little card. I'm hungry. I gave him 20 bucks. Now, you say, well, you know what he, oh, you know what he did? He just went out and bought drugs or booze. I don't know that he did that. All I know is that when I got in my truck to drive off, he waved at me and thanked me. And I felt better about myself because I was unselfish to help this guy. Uh, same thing with my work with Headlock on Hunger. I want to help people. It helps me get over a lot of troubles. It gives me a lot of, a lot of stress and anxiety. You know, I told people the other day, you know, about the, my wife, Jan, not being at home for Christmas or Thanksgiving. She's not going to be home for Christmas either, by the way. I miss my house smelling like it does when she was alive and cooking. Call me spoiled. But she did a hell of a good job of spoiling me. You guys can relate to some of these stories, no doubt. So uh, until next week, folks, be safe, be nice, help people, and remember, above all else, our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So from the rolling hills of Oklahoma, high atop the cat in Oklahoma City, I'm good old J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. The Westwood One Podcast Network. The Jason Stapleton Program. The truth is you are constantly evolving as a human being. And the more compelling future that you create for yourself, the more that you visualize and the more you demand of your future, the greater the likelihood is that you will actually see that future come to fruition. The Jason Stapleton Program. Download and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Free. Free. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you fifteen to twenty? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys. The podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.